Let's pray together. Father in heaven, the Bible tells us that when we gather together, some special things happen, but one is, one is truly remarkable. It's the fact that we get to encourage one another. And we do that in a lot of different ways. We, we were encouraging each other as we sang together. We encourage one another as we greet our friends and our family. We encourage each other through participating in the Lord's Supper and bringing our offerings before you. All of that is encouraging. And there is great encouragement in opening our Bibles together. Now, the Bible would also tell us that that type of encouragement is to continue until you come back for us. Lord, we look forward to that day. We anticipate that day. And we know it'll, it'll be unlike anything that we ever imagined just to look into the heavens and see you in the clouds and to turn our ears that direction and hear the trumpet sound. But Father, until that day, we'll continue to do what the Bible says and lift each other up. We'll do that by opening up the Bible. We'll do that by singing. We'll do that through the emblems of the Lord's Supper. We'll do that through the offering. And we'll do that by inviting you to be here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Phil. Well, this morning, it is, it is definitely a great um, privilege to be here and to stand before you. Um, growing up in the church, uh, it, sometimes you get used to things. And uh, to be able to come to Libby, Montana and find this church, and it's just been a huge blessing for me and for my family and to continue to grow in the Lord. And, and so... Um, it, it is just great to be here and to see all you here to to be um, with each other this morning and um, for the years that we've been here. Growing up in Wisconsin, going to church um, in a, a solid Christian home. My parents Christians, getting me to church every Sunday and, and pretty much as I grew up, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, I was in church and uh, learning from, from different preachers and uh, sitting in Sunday school and midweek as a child. Uh, in children's programming, and, and even through my, my teenage years, different programming, uh, youth group. Um, growing up in church, I learned a lot. And, uh, but there were some things that, that I didn't um, realize I was missing until later. But um, when I did realize it, I understood that I needed it. It was missing, and I embraced it. And so this morning... Um, I just want to share with you this idea of multiply and um, what it means to multiply. From Scripture, um, I just wanted to say that over the last 18 years, I've been working with students uh, primarily, whether that's been in the classroom or coaching, um, in different situations with youth, youth group, in church, um, in the community, and uh, just watching young people grow up and seeing the, the great uh, need for good relationships. Uh, for them in their lives, uh, and of course that doesn't it doesn't just mean for kids. I mean uh, for youth, but for younger kids, for youth, for adults, we all are in need of of great relationship. But just thinking about the years that I've spent and watched different kids, and and some just get it early on that they they need the right relationships in their life, and and others um, it takes a while. And and I knew that relationships were important, but. There was something going on as I embraced the teaching that I had, the people in my life. I had a good foundation, and it carried me through my young adult years. But um, after several years of kind of 
discovering who I was and, and going my direction, I, I spent quite a bit of time away from the church, not going to church regularly, not involved in Bible study, and not surrounding myself with the relationships that I needed to be encouraged to grow in my relationship with the Lord. And so, looking back, I see um, how important it was to have the foundation. I see how important it would have been to continue uh, to embrace uh, those things that, those disciplines that would help me grow in the Lord. But I want to focus on this idea of how um, we can multiply through discipleship. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. If you want to open there, this is a great verse to start as we look at this this morning. Proverbs twenty-seven verse seventeen. Because the relationships we have with people have a great significance, and this points us. Uh, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Iron sharpening iron. Now, I haven't actually sharpened iron with iron, but I understand that requires some force. That requires some friction. That requires um, something that, as you think about one man sharpening another uh, in the same way, that requires sometimes some, some struggle, some difficulty, some friction. Uh, working with each other, um, but with some banging as you work things out. And to encourage one another to um, keep each other accountable to work in growing together. Well, why do we need this relationship in our lives that is sharpening us and others? Matthew four eighteen. If you would go there with me, we see Jesus calling the first disciples. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And we see Jesus calling the first disciples, and he calls them from their place with their fathers, with their occupation, from their livelihood. He calls them as their fishermen to become fishers of men. We look at the lives of the disciples and we see that they left what they knew to follow Jesus. And Jesus knew what He was doing when He called these men. He chose these men for a reason. And as they followed Jesus, think of the things that they gave up. Think of the lives that they would have left behind. The family, their work, the things that were familiar. Think of the things that they would experience now for the next three years as the disciples would follow Jesus. The things that they would do together. We know um, they were watching Jesus perform miracles and they were even invited into that. Uh, Lots of teaching. Lots of um, walking. Lots of meals together. You know, just thinking about all these different things. they, They probably stayed in some nice places in some good situations. But they probably stayed in some pretty rotten ones too. I mean, uncomfortable situations. Places where they were cramped or uncomfortable for for different reasons. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe in in 
relationships, whether it's family, friends, you've been put in situations where um, it's been uncomfortable staying in someone's home, or uh, maybe not having a place to stay. Uh, Maybe you've slept on the side of the road before, or on a rock next to a river, because you were hiking and you ran out of daylight and you couldn't go on. Who knows what the situation, but how was it for the disciples living with Jesus, learning from Jesus, and, and the things that they shared and how the impact that that would have had on that relationship and how they learned and grew from those experiences? We know that probably many times people were excited to see them coming as they expected miracles. They expected to, to hear something new, the, the, the teachings. But then there were times where people weren't happy to see Him. Those who were opposing Jesus and the disciples, they, they were upset as they saw Him come, and they ran them off. And just the, the various situations, the various um, obstacles that they would have faced, how that would have forced them to grow in relationship and learn from one another. We do know that Jesus and the disciples had an amazing relationship, but it wasn't always easy. In fact, the sharpening that Proverbs speaks of may often require some significant friction. Despite their differences, Jesus would have treated each one of them as an individual. He confronted Peter. He loved John. He challenged Thomas. And he let Judas walk away. Think about that. The relationship that he would have had and and to let Judas walk away. Knowing what was going to happen. Knowing that that needed to happen. Just as Jesus treated the disciples as individuals, our relationship with Jesus is a personal one. And every one of us has an individual path to this idea of discipleship. Um, Not that we can't uh, have some of the same principles and, and you know, practices as we explore this idea, but each one of us is unique. And as we look at this, we, we open up Scripture this morning, think about how this affects you in your relationship and how this is unique to you and the grace of God, how it's been working in your life and the path that's growing you in that relationship through Jesus. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 is where I'd like you to go. And... Um, this idea of, you know, we are all growing. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's humbling to think that we all need to grow. That we are not where we're supposed to be um, and, and to hold. We may be where we're supposed to be right now, but we're supposed to continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. It is humbling. Scary sometimes. Uh, maybe uh, frustrating because uh, we'd like to just stop. Maybe take a rest. Take a break. This is a good place to just hang out for a while. But we are to continue to grow. That's what it's telling us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And we need to admit that. And it helps us as we are becoming disciples and making disciples that we are continuing to grow and that other people are continuing to grow. And I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, follow my example is I follow the example of Christ. And if we keep that idea that we continue to point people towards Christ, and really that's, that's our goal. We are looking to Christ and we are pointing others to Christ. It keeps us on the right 
path. Go to Hebrews chapter 13 with me, starting in verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And I just want to say for a moment that there were times in my lives when in my life when I had leaders who were teaching me from God's Word exactly what I needed to hear, and it was great instruction. But then, years later, seeing where they ended up, the things that they started to do, knowing that they no longer were following the ways that they taught. And that could have been something that totally messed me up as a young believer. But this next verse is very important. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Because there are times where people will lead us, but maybe fall astray and imitating their faith would not be a good idea. But as long as we are holding on to this idea that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we're pointing people towards that, Jesus doesn't change. We at times fall. We at times change. And if we are pointing people towards ourselves, then we could be leading people astray. But if we're pointing people towards Jesus, we're putting them on the right path. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses, against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. If we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We have been reconciled and have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are to become the righteousness of God. We need to accept Jesus. We need to become followers who get involved in the ministry and to get right with God. And that puts us into the right path for the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, we see Jesus after His resurrection. The disciples went to Galilee on the mountain where Jesus had told them to wait. And so, Matthew 28, starting in verse 19, we see the Great Commission. And it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Multiplication. The disciples took this call, the Great Commission, and they followed it. And we see the birth of the church. We read through Acts how the disciples followed this line of teaching and they made disciples who made disciples. And we see the church growing. And we see the church coming together the way it's supposed to in relationship and community. And it's a beautiful thing because the disciples followed the Great Commission. And we are to be 
following the disciples who make disciples who make disciples so that we can see this multiply. And I would say at Liberty Christian Church, this is happening in, in so many different ways. And, and so it is just great to be a part of a church that is taking this great commission seriously, not only here in the church and in the community, but throughout the world. The early church was marked with followers of Jesus multiplying through authentic relationship and empowering believers to use their gifts to strengthen the church, love God, and love others. Several years ago, I used the book Multiply that Francis Chan wrote uh, for a teaching through the summer. In the summer, a lot of times, I don't have as many students coming to youth group, and I thought, I'm going to take this book, and those that come, we're going to work through it. In my mind, it was a great idea. We were going to dig in deep, and, and um, I, I will tell you that it was kind of, I felt like it was a fail. I, 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 didn't, um, I, I didn't feel like I was successful. We worked through the book, um, but it's hard because... If not everyone's there every week, you miss some, and you don't, you don't get all the, the, the chapters read, and you're going back over things because someone's trying to catch up, and it was just, it was not what I had hoped for, but the book is, is great. I mean, it's just, it, it lines out what it means to become a disciple, and how to learn and grow in your relationship, and then to make disciples, just the idea of multiply, it's it was is a great book, and uh, there's good teaching in there. Um, but that idea comes from the Bible, and so we know that from the Bible we get the best teaching. This movement that multiply is supposed to bring about. People are doing this all over the world. Some because they read the book multiply, others because they're following the Bible. But whatever it is, we need to get involved in this process of multiplication. Last year, I joined a coaching network, Lead 222, and it's based off of 2 Timothy 2.22, if you would go there with me. It's a mentoring program that um, is geared towards youth pastors, youth leaders, um, just not only looking at how to be a better youth pastor, youth leader, but to invest in your personal walk with the Lord and both how they work together. And it comes from, like I said, 2 Timothy 2.22, which says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. When we recognize that we need to flee the things from the flesh and pursue righteousness, and we gather others who are doing the same thing, we are able to become disciples and grow in relationship the way God has called us to do that. And sometimes we get stuck where we don't want to share those things that we're going through, the things that we're dealing with. But this coaching network is great for just building up coaches who are willing to, in return, then invest in more coaches. And so not only is it investing in those relationships, but that trickles down into every other relationship at home, at work, you know, in in the community. And so we see that if it's happening the way it's supposed to, there is a greater effect and it's multiplying. There's many different models for biblical discipleship, but we can look at some of the examples from Scripture. We've already looked at the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Some might argue that those verses line out a mission for missionaries, but I would say that that is for all of us 
as believers. And, and there's no difference between a believer and a disciple. All believers should be disciples. We should all be embracing this great commission. And here is a look at some other New Testament ideas of how this plays out. If you go to Titus chapter 2, verse 4, and we see, Older women are to train younger women. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. That the Word of God may not be reviled. And in Titus chapter 2, we see there's instructions for older men to be uh, sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled. We see that um, there's instruction for younger men. So we see that there's instruction for all different ages. If you go to 2 Timothy 2.2, not to be confused with 2.22, but 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. And so Paul is instructing Timothy as he is going to instruct men to choose men who will be faithful and that will carry it out. And so we have to be careful in who we invest in, but willing to invest in those who will be faithful and who will carry it out. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, shows us that fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we see throughout Scripture that God instructs parents, not just fathers, parents, to train their children up. And as that is happening, I would argue that it needs to happen outside of the home as well. And, and that's where I knew that I was missing something as I got further away from the church and further away from um, Bible study, that I needed those influences in my life. That there were relationships that I was lacking. And as a parent, I know that I need help investing in my children because um, when we come together and, in, and we invest um, and we work as a team, we can accomplish so much more. I'd like you to go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews 3:13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. All Christians are to exhort one another. We're, have, we have a responsibility to one another. And sometimes we stop short of that. Sometimes we hesitate for whatever reason. We don't feel like it's our responsibility. We don't, we don't feel like um, it's our place to say anything. But that is what the Bible tells us. We're supposed to talk to one another, to encourage one another every day. Right, So that we can keep people from sin. To love and good works. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I gave up going to church for a period of time in my life. And um, that loss in my life had a terrible impact. 
Um, not being involved in a church, not being involved in Bible study, and getting away from those relationships. And so when I read that, I, I hear that warning and I see, but I know how easy it is. I know how easy it was for me. Um, but there should be a longing for that. If we're away from that, there should be something missing. And, and I, when, I, when I see all of you here and, and we're worshiping together and we're sitting under the teaching of God's Word, you know, I would think if I was away from that, I would have a longing for that and I would miss that. And, and so um, it, it is a, it a beautiful thing when we follow God's Word and we see how it instructs us to be in the relationship with our children in relationship with other believers, um, old and young, um, young, uh, sitting under the teaching of older uh, men and women, instructing the way that we should live. 1 Peter 4, verse 10, carries it further in showing us that we all have something to offer. As each has received a gift, use it, to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, it takes all of us working together, identifying who we are in Christ, what He has given us as gifts to use to build up the church, to grow the, the church and, and the body, um, but to invest in people's lives, to invest in, in, in our future. Um, not just the children, but the youth and the young and even the old. I mean, all the way through, we have a responsibility to invest our lives. The list could go on, but I do want to add one more. Priscilla and Aquila from Acts 18, without warning, explained the way of God more accurately to Apollos. And we see in that, um, Apollos knew, but he didn't know the baptism of Jesus. He knew it of John. And they just shared a little bit more, and they they were able to encourage him, and it was just a small thing. They were ready, and they, they responded to the need. They exhorted, and the cool thing is, as we see Apollos accepts it, and there's a great ripple effect from that. And how often do we miss opportunities when we keep quiet? How often do we miss opportunities when we shy away from what God is calling us to do? See, every Christian should be helping unbelievers Become believers by showing them Christ. That's making disciples the Great Commission. Every Christian should be helping other believers grow to more and more maturity. That is making disciples. Every Christian should be seeking to get help for themselves from others to keep on growing. That's also a part of discipleship. And I told you I joined this coaching network, Lead 222, and one of the things that, as I was going through the book, it had this, it, it was called a mentoring constellation. And I don't have that to put up, but if you just picture yourself in the middle, and you've got two peers next to you, two people who are in the same arena of life, right? Um, and we're going through the same things, we can identify with one another in our faith and our maturity, so we're peers. But then you have someone who's older and wiser, more mature in their faith, ahead of you, in front of you, who can lead you and show you how to continue to grow. And then you have those behind you who are younger, um, that are not as mature in their faith, that you can bring them along. And when we have this circle around us where we have peers on either side, someone older and wiser ahead of us who, 
who can encourage us and teach us and, and help us along and someone behind that we're encouraging. It's just the right relationships that really gives us the whole package to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Some of us, we have peers, but we don't have someone in front of us. Maybe we have someone behind, but how can we keep growing without that? Others have someone in front, but they're not investing behind. They're not turning around and multiplying by investing in others. And others have someone in front and behind, but no one right there with them. And you need those people so that you can get together and, and whatever that looks like. And we have that going on. I mean, the ability to come together on Sunday mornings and worship together and encourage one another uh, to get together in salt groups, small groups, and, and to study and talk and, and share. Um, but sometimes we need more. We need to invite someone into our life that we would um, ask to invest in us or someone that we are investing in. in. Different areas where we can make this whole thing work because that's really how it's supposed to work. And, and I discovered this um, when I knew I was missing something and I wanted more in my relationship with the Lord. So I invited a man to just... I asked him, I didn't invite him, I should say, I, I asked him to invest in me. Um, and, and so we started getting together weekly, opening God's Word and praying together and, and talking about life. And, and he challenged me to think about things that uh, I hadn't thought about to, to grow in my understanding of Scripture, but also to apply it to my life. And at the same time as he was doing that, I was investing in others as I was involved in uh, the youth ministry, and this was back in Wisconsin, the church I grew up in, and um, I was bringing friends into my life that I knew would keep me accountable, that would encourage me in my faith, and so before I even saw this picture, this mentoring constellation um, years ago, probably before it was even developed, at least by this organization, you know, the biblical method of we are to multiply, and to do it, we have to have the right relationships in our life. But I'm going to tell you, there's a cost. If you open up to Luke, chapter 14, starting in verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's been many times where I've read that and wanted to just avoid that because it's hard to think we are to hate our parents, hate our children, hate our, you know, our family and, and the things in, in our life. And that doesn't make any sense. God's a loving God and God would want us to have good relationship with our family and our, 
And, and it's just, it's hard. Now, I understand the idea of counting the cost and, and planning, but just this idea. But the reality is this, is we're commanded God. We're supposed to love God first. Love God and to love others. And so loving God first sometimes may look like hate towards someone else. Uh, it's really hard to place God above someone important in your life at times because it may hurt that person. It may put a strain on that relationship temporarily. Now, I think there's a greater good that comes from it. It grows our relationship with the Lord and grows the understanding of right relationship. Um, but there are times when a person could be offended that you would put God before them. And, and that may happen and it will happen in you need to know that because going into this, if you want to be a disciple, if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to be ready for those times. And so there's a cost to discipleship. It doesn't just come free. And, and you may have to invest a little bit more sometimes than maybe someone's investing in you. And, and that's not fair. Or maybe you have to go out of your way to make these relationships work at times, because life is busy. And um, it may look like getting up early in the morning, or it may be going out of your way to go and, and make something happen. And sometimes, we'd rather it just be comfortable and safe and easy. And the cost of discipleship is not that. The cost of discipleship, it is going to be difficult at times. But that difficulty is going to be rewarded with blessing in relationship with the Lord in relationship with others. And we get to grow and experience authentic relationships like we're supposed to. And like we see the early church and how it grew and it exploded, really. We can see some things that are overcome in our lives if we are practicing this idea and if we're ready to surrender. So I have to ask you, are you ready to count the cost? Are you willing to jump in in areas maybe that you haven't yet? Maybe you have gifts and you know you have gifts, but you're not using them. Maybe you don't know what your gifts are and you're trying to figure that out. Maybe you're, you're sure that there are ways that you could help serve in the church, but you just don't know what it is yet. Well, I would encourage you, um, there are lots of different ways to be involved here at Libby Christian Church. Just talk to us. If you're looking for ways, if you're trying to find something, if you're not involved in a salt group, um, get involved in a salt group. If you don't have the relationships that you need, that someone is investing in you, or you're investing in someone, or you've got good peers, figure out how that works. And that might take some time. You might have to be patient. Don't jump right into it and run someone off. Uh, make sure that you have people that you can bring alongside you or you know, that you can ask to mentor you. But this idea is for all of us. As believers, we should all be disciples. The Great Commission is for all of us. And uh, we need to multiply. I'd like you to pray with me. God, we are good um, only because You make us good. Lord, there are times when um, we, uh, we struggle with um, putting ourselves in the, in the right place. Lord, I know I do. I'm thankful that you um, worked in my life in amazing ways, changed uh, the things, and Lord, you're not done. And Lord, as uh, we listen to your word and we understand that there's a cost of discipleship, but yet is something for all of us, Lord, 
I know that uh, there are things that we can all um, start putting into practice right away. So whatever it is, God, I just pray if there are people here who need to talk to someone, maybe they just need to surrender completely, completely to the Lord for the first time. God, uh, as we have the, the prayer room ready um, and people can get paired up, I just pray that you would move people out of their seats. And uh, Lord, maybe there are those who just want to figure out how to get involved. God, I just pray that you would pair them up with the right people, put them in the right conversations, that we would see um, these relationships just uh, continue to grow and flourish. We thank you for what you do and just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.